the week in racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys in their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents the Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak, the Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week, the Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up everybody, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show. Mr. Summit, you sound and look a little different today. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I uh, So, yeah, we had we left the microphone cord in, in Kentucky, so we got to switch the, the microphone out. And then the computer didn't start, but guess what? Well, I was rebooting the other computer, which is old and slow, this one started back up, so here we are. Okay. All right. So we're here. Listen, uh, it's already a different look. I've got the sleeves off. I was going to make a joke about how I was feeling like we were going to get red hot at Belmont this weekend. Uh, I'm excited for Belmont, Mike. You know, we got grade one turf action back in New York. It, it just feels like the summer is getting closer. Like, I know it's not Saratoga, but Belmont still puts together a great card. And we've got uh, three of the four races in this pick four sequence are going to be on the turf, including the grade one Manowar. Yeah, it, it's a great card on Saturday. You got five graded stakes. Uh, there's three of them on dirt, two of them on turf. We're going to cover the two turf ones in this sequence. Uh, the pick five is absolutely solid. The last race is good. It's eighty thousand dollars non winners one allowance. We're not getting that forty thousand dollars claimers on the turf, which I know you love. Uh, so it's, it's overall it's a great card at Belmont. Love the one dollar pick six there. So and this is actually a pretty good sequence to play because I think there's a couple singles we could find. And I noticed we both had press tickets in this sequence too. So we're uh, we're going to try and go pretty short here because I think we both like some favorites. Awesome. I'm excited about that. Yeah, we're going to be looking at the pick four sequence at Belmont Park on Saturday, uh, May 14th. After that, Mike, I know the Preakness Daily Show is going to start up tomorrow morning, but eh, there's a little bit of news happening today, so we'll talk about that afterwards. But uh, let's not waste any time, Mike. Let's get into the late pick four. Riders up! Kicking off the first leg of the late pick four of Belmont Park Saturday, May 14th, race eight. It's the grade one Man O' War Stakes. It's an 11 furlong inner turf test. Just six older horses, but all eyes are going to be on number three. Your boy's back, your beer, the defending Breeders' Cup turf champion and the Eclipse Award winner as the champion turf male because that's just how bad the American horses were. He just had to come over here and win twice. Uh, he did win that Jockey Club Derby here at Belmont Park last year. He is, however, 0 for 2 to start 2022. Can we beat him here? Over uh, 2 is a little mean, man. I mean, he ran second by a neck and second by a length and a half in a grade one and grade two overseas. So I don't know if we're like over 2 is really, you're throwing a little shade there. I don't even you know, I don't know if it needs to be thrown. Uh, to answer the question, he's going to be tough here. I mean, I'm going to single him in the $5 ticket. I'm going to go too deep here in a 50 cent ticket. I, I do respect the heck out of him. And it's amazing to see what has happened to him since those two races. I mean, he goes, comes over here, wins at Belmont looks absolutely dominant at Del Mar in the Breeders' Cup grade one turf. I mean, wins what felt like by open lengths. He beat Broom by a half length, but it felt like it was it was a lot more over than that, especially mm-hmm. with the ground he made up. And then you look at the time form jump that we saw in this four-year-old season with a 125 time form in the first race, a 120 in the second race, significantly better than anything we saw from him in his three-year-old season. It seems like he's just getting better. And then you combine that with the fact that there's absolutely no pace in this race he's going to be able to sit close and he's got the deadliest turn of foot. The combination of those two things make me like him on top. 
So uh, I'm with you. He's the top pick. I actually went too deep in both of my tickets because I'm gonna. Uh, I think of the two big turf stakes races, uh, this is the one where I'm taking a little bit of a chance against the even money favorite. If if he does get beat, Mike, who is the horse that beats him? Well, we both use the same horse to beat him, so I'm gonna let you talk a little bit about our boy Aban here. Yeah, Aban. Uh, listen, the way that uh, Yabir loses, Mike, you, you brought it up. This is a six-horse field going a very long distance on New York turf. It so often happens that a horse goes gate to wire, and Aban actually has the past performances that say he can do it. He's got Luis Saez aboard, and that, to me, Mike kind of tips off. He might go to the lead, try not hustle the six, who looks like the only speed, and the horse is not good speed. He is, uh, you know, if he goes to the front, that's fine. Aban can sit second and get first run on your beer. He's going to have to get, like, like into the fr- like, as they're about up to the far turn, which that big sweeping, you know, turn right at Belmont. As they're getting to it, Aban needs to go. You need to get the jump on your beer and make him go into chase mode and, and get it to where he is just, he's looking down that Belmont stretch at the top of the, uh, at the top of the stretch, Mike, and just going, Shit, I don't know if I can catch that horse. Like, I'm going to try, but like, if he gets three lengths on him at the top of the stretch, two, two or three lengths like that, it might be enough to keep your beer back. It might be enough. I think that's the only way that you can beat your beer is you go gate to wire. And to me, a bond's the only one that can get that kind of a run. Yeah, I mean, we handicapped it the same way. That's that's what I felt as well. I think the size on board is, is is going to have him forwardly placed. Maybe he's second behind so high, but even if he's not, I mean, they're they're going to be crawling up there. Um, I, I feel like that that he's going to get a good trip either on the lead or right off of the six. He'll get first run. A bond will probably be the horse that's in the lead at the top of the stretch. I don't love the Goofo beat it by a couple lengths last time, but that was at a mile and a half over Gulfstream. Going to give it a pass. I'm going to go ahead and say that a bond, if he keeps improving, which he has been the last couple starts, if he can keep improving, he can get be better than Goofo in that spot. And I feel like your beer covers up Goofo. That's the main thing to me here. Like, I don't think you need to play in bulk because I think your beer is essentially a better version of Goofo. And if that's the case, I don't really want to use them both. I'd rather take a horse that I think has a, more, it's going to be more forwardly placed and has a chance to wire the field. So I agree with you. I, I think this is 3-4 and move along. If I was playing the cold try, I'd probably play 3-4-2 and see if I could hit it. The one I thought was a little interesting, uh, your boy Flavian Pratt picks up a mount for Graham Motion. Did mm-hmm. you look at him at all? Yeah, I did. I didn't love it. I, I mean, I think the horse could definitely hit the board. Um, from I had this horse ranked third, but it's it's a well-beaten third because this horse actually hasn't beaten anybody since 2020 and, uh, you know, was keeping good company but wasn't close to, like, St. Mark's Basilica beat uh, beat this horse by seven lengths. Like, all right, you were facing St. Mark's Basilica, but he was, you know, the Belmont stretch ahead of you at the wire. So uh, I looked at him. Pratt getting a board is interesting, but I, I think this is like a small stakes horse, not a grade one stakes horse yeah this is one where if, if the spot was a little easier i'd be more interested but because i do think you're going to see an improvement second off the layoff i do think you could mm-hmm. see a step forward here it's a second time out as a four-year-old so i i do expect easter to be better it's just gonna have to be a lot better to compete with any of these but i, I like this would be the one if you're trying to beat goofo to me in the third place spot if you're really trying to spice up a try and go like you know three four one i think that's that's the route you take and try and put, get the easter somewhere in this number Chris says, what's with the California-sized fields? Uh, Derby weekend, man. Derby weekend took a lot of the turf horses. But uh, I think there's still at least one more star horse that we could see on this card, not just Yabir. Uh, by the way, uh, before we move on, Mike, what odds are we getting on Yabir here, realistically? I should be 2-5. to five. I expect we'll get somewhere either 2-5 to five or 3-5, to five, somewhere in that range. And even if a bond holds at nine to two, I think in the pick fours, the way that the multi races work, I think so many people are going to single your beer that if you if you've got a bond on here and he wins, you're getting exponentially higher than nine to two because so many people focus on your beer, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean your beer is gonna be heavily singled in this sequence, heavily singled in the pick five, heavily singled in the pick six. So I would expect that if you can beat him, you're gonna get 
a pretty good value on almost anyone. I don't think Gufo is going to get played as, as much as the seven to five numbers. I think you're going to end up getting like five to two on Gufo. Second leg of the late pick four at Belmont Park on Saturday, May 14th. Race nine is the grade three Peter Pan Stakes. This is a one-turn, nine-furlong dirt test for three-year-olds. This is the local prep for the grade one Belmont Stakes going a mile and a half here on June 11th. It's incredible to me, Mike, that nine furlongs at Belmont, they're like, man, it's just one turn. <laughs> that's, that's almost three turns at some other tracks here. Uh, your favoritism is going to be on the four horse, we the people at three to one, but then you see the rail horse set sail seven to two. Impressive maiden winner for Mandela. Electability for Chad Brown is looking good in two starts so far this year. This year. He's seven to two. This was the nastiest race on the card. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean that I looked at this and I could have seen 18 different outcomes. I have no idea which one is going to be. What do you What do you think happens here? Well, look, mile and eight, three-year-olds, especially at Belmont, I want the horse that's in the lead. We've seen a lot of California horses do well on dirt on the East Coast, specifically at Keeneland and at Churchill Downs. I expect to kind of see that trend continue here. I think Set Sail is the fastest horse from the rail. I think Set Sail really only has one choice, and that's to go. The race, the first race that Set Sail was in when, when uh, he went off as a $1.80 favorite, you had the winner and the second-place horses come back to win. Horses training well. I think this is an aggressive move by Mandela to bring him out here, and Rosario finds it fit to pick up the mount. I, I'm going to take the inside horse, the one Set Sail on top. I think he's going to wire this field if he's able to get out there. And really, the only horses can challenge him on the lead is the two, and like if you look at those races at aqueduct it's not good like they're, they're bad races and so i i would much rather take the inside horse set sail here to try and just do exactly that set sail and then wire this field well if you remember um uh, long term the horse did electability just barely beat by a half length to break his maiden uh long term went from that race straight in the wood memorial that was one of the two maidens that todd pletcher threw in and long term up until the wood memorial had finished second in every single race so you barely beat a horse that just loves to run second uh and then after that 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 same one turn mile aqueduct setup i mean that the buyer is nice but visually mike i watched both of these and Maybe the horse has fight, or maybe he's not that good, and he was just that much better than the horses he was fighting. So I think we're both against the two. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a shot against the one here. I think that this is a big step up for Mandela, and he said that he sent him out here because there were no other options in California. And if you think about it, really, until the shared belief at Del Mar, which I think mid to late July – there's nothing for three-year-old stakes-wise on Dirt in California. So he sent him out here, and yeah, that was a nice maiden win. But that race on debut, uh, actually, the, the top four finishers from that race all won next out. Not just the top three, but the top four. Problem is, two of those, the second place and the fourth place finishers, they both had to be in from claiming tags to be able to do it. So yeah, it looks good on paper. We're like, yeah, they all you know came out of that to win, but two of them had to go down the claiming ranks to do it. I don't love that about uh, those horses. By the way, American Admiral is the Bob Baffert horse that was outworking Taba that had everybody all up in arms that when the jockey on American Admiral, you remember this was looking back like, are you going to hurry up with, with Taba already? Yeah, mm -hmm. so that's that's who that horse is. Um, I'm against well, it, but again, you, you mentioned could be the fastest horse, and with Rosario picking it up, that is a key move. And, and you mentioned American Admiral won a maiden claimer. Uh, I mean, let's put an asterisk by 150,000 by maiden claimers. Okay. Like I wonder if you're going to look at that. <laughs> that's not quite a full on maiden claimer. It's not like we dropped down for 32K or anything. So uh, that's still a pretty good win. And, you know, I mean, Tabor ran sixth in the Derby or 12th in the Derby, right? So Set Sail could run better than that. <laughs> um, I know that uh, Michael Myers is in the chat. He's excited about Set Sail. He and Dan both, uh, they're a fantasy league team. They picked up Set Sail and Electability. So. The rooting for those horses to go one, two in a dead heat or maybe get a dead heat and then go off to the Belmont Stakes, uh, which is, I mentioned, is the prep for this. My top pick, 
is the favorite three to one we the people but i think that this horse has just got the great tactical speed that flavian pratt can just handle so well and the Arkansas Derby, when he was a second choice, he didn't have a shot. We talked about that in the race. Man, that's, we the people would be fun to bet in the Arkansas Derby if he wasn't drawn the parking lot. But it also could have been a little bit too much too soon for him. That Those first two starts were impressive. Oakland Park horses have been kind of hit and miss leaving, but some of them did okay at Churchill. So I think, all right, there are some, some Oakland horses that can leave and do well. And again, that front running or pressing style that he has, if set sail goes off, he can sit behind him within a length or two. And if set sail doesn't have the ability to go a full, you know, nine furlongs, maybe the step up first time versus winners is too much for him. I think we, the people is going to sit right there, but did you use him? I did. We the People is my other must-use horse. I mean, I think these two make a ton of sense. Uh, we the People, obviously, coming out of probably the most difficult race in this uh, out of this field, and so you got to give him some credit there. You mentioned the post draw; it was absolutely brutal for him, especially since the horse wanted to be forwardly placed. And when you look at the comments on the race too, Washi five wide at the seven eighths empty. I mean, that's never something you want to see when a horse is washed out like that. Usually, they're going to run poorly. You combine that with the post; uh, it just not surprised by the effort from We the People. I want to see him in the post parade to see if I'm, like, interested in betting this horse to win. And the reason I don't have him on top is that issue. Like, it's not great when you're washed out in a race, especially that bigger one. So we'll see how he handles this. Uh, but I would expect that he's going to look pretty good here for sets. Obviously pretty good to get, get his horse going. So I'm going to go with the one and the four and the $5 ticket. Uh, to me, they're the two most logical horses in here. I think they, they really make the most sense. Uh, the third horse you used, we agreed on. So I'll talk about my other one real quick, and then we'll come back to him. Uh, my second up was the five Golden Glider. Don't love the price. I was hoping for a little bit better on him, but... It's a horse that Mark Cassie's always thought pretty highly of. That second start at Tampa Bay Downs, if you remember, was supposed to be against Emmanuel. And at that point, everybody was on the Emmanuel hype train. And, oh, my God, he's going to do the Pletcher thing where he goes to Tampa, wins this allowance race, then goes off. And Cassie knew that as well as anybody did and still entered Golden Glider. Emmanuel ends up scratching. Glider wins for fun. He was the only horse in the Tampa Bay Derby who actually gained any ground on Classic Causeway. You remember that horse was kind of running away. Uh, gate to wire uh, didn't come out of that race to run that well but the bluegrass stakes I'm going to forgive him I thought he actually ran sneakily well Ricardo pushed him pretty hard to go to the lead out of the gate and I felt like the plan was to just chase Emmanuel who set the pace and then the two of them end up fading behind Zandon who ends up getting a really nice third in the Kentucky Derby almost wins it Smile Happy uh, was top seven or top eight in the Kentucky Derby. He went, uh, ran well. So the fact that this horse was only a half length behind Emmanuel in the bluegrass and we're not seeing Xander Smile Happy, I'm going to use him. But again, the price, I could understand if you're using the seven to two set sale and we the people, you probably don't want a four to one as well. Yeah, I also just, I don't like that Florida form. I think that, that there's going to be horses that are going to be able to be better than a horse that ran at Tampa in those three races. Yes, mm -hmm. the bluegrass looks pretty good on paper, but uh, I mean, I just, I, I, I I don't love the race from him. There was no real reason why he should back up. Um, I, they didn't go very fast up front. They went 48, 112, and 3. And they got destroyed by Zanon and Smile Happy. It wasn't like they were close. They were they were way back there. No one was really running on outside of those two. So I, I don't really give that race that much of a credit. I am going to use the 6 Western River. You mentioned it's the other percent in here. And it's, it, to me, it's a logical horse if you're looking for any type of a price. I think you're getting a huge rider upgrade going from Santana to Saya. So I love that. Um, it, the last two races off of the layoff are both significantly better than what we saw from this horse in the two-year-old season. We've seen Tappets develop slowly. This is one where the third off the layoff, you can see a big-time effort. And if Brissett thinks that this horse should be in there, and he knows that We the People is probably the best, most talented horse in this spot, if he decides to have the six in here as well, it tells you what he thinks about Western River. So I'm going to go one, four, six in the 50-cent ticket and hopefully add a little bit of value with that six-to-one shot. 
Yeah, Luis Saez picking up the mount I thought was a big upgrade as well. And uh, you didn't mention it, but he has a famous older brother, full brother to creator, the 2016 Belmont Stakes winner. That's the Six Western River. So um, it's similar lines too, where they tried turf earlier in their careers. They broke their maidens at Oakland Park as three-year-olds going two turns. So some similarities. Their creator was a little bit farther along. Uh, he ended up going to the Kentucky Derby after winning the Arkansas Derby, but Timing-wise, it's going to kind of work out similarly. Western River, just not as much experience. But, um, yeah, I, I went back and forth on him. When I saw the price, Mike, I said 6-1, to one, that's good enough. I'll throw him on. He's not on my press ticket. I'm just going to go 4-5 for that. But uh, uh, definitely my 50 center. I'm going to be on him here. Uh, were there any horses here that we didn't talk about that you wanted to touch on quick? I mean, I think this is an interesting field overall. I mean, if you're looking for a price like, like the six horse all the way on the outside, state planning would need to take a monster step forward. But we've seen Juan Vasquez do some crazy stuff in races like this. I wouldn't be shocked if that horse runs well and gets a piece underneath. Um, you know, it, it's just it's a pretty good race. I mean, I'm surprised Complete Agenda's in here, to be honest. I mean, that was the one where I kind of looked at it. I'm like, eh, not not overly in love with that. But it's a curling horse that sold for 250000 for Napoleon St. Elias. Uh, St. Elias. So I'm, I'm not surprised that they, they end up putting it in here, but I, I think that complete agenda might take some money as a horse that you can kind of leave out. Yeah, it's uh, definitely an interesting horse, and, and watch for maybe some later progression later in the year when they get to Saratoga. Maybe maybe the curling stakes. It feels like complete agenda could possibly go there, and uh, it's restricted stakes for non-stakes winners to compete against each other. So maybe the race named for his sire would be a good spot for him, uh, but we definitely like We the People and Western River here. Mike, let's move on. The penultimate leg of the late pick four at Belmont Park on Saturday, May 14th, race 10. The grade three Bogey Stakes. It's a one and one sixteenth mile inner turf route for seven older fillies and mares, including two from Chad Brown, who's trying to win this race for the record fifth time. And he is throwing at them the number one Rougier, who's even money favorite, and the number two Lemista at five to two. The latter horse, I'm sorry, Rougier, the, the former horse, is debuting for Brown. She was last seen seventh in the Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Turf. But Mike, you know how this goes. It's first time Brown. It's Flavian Pratt in the irons. I feel like we've seen this before. Swing, swing, tent pole. <laughs> Pratt Daddy. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Did you go back and watch the, the Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Turf? Oh, she had a rough trip, boy, didn't she? Uh, it was brutal, man. I looked at the comments. And I'm like, I don't remember it was that bad of a trip. I went back and watched it. I'm like, oh, boy, that was a bad trip. Uh, Regeer could have run significantly better in that race. I'm not sure she wins it. I mean, obviously, Love's Only You ran huge that day. My sister, Nat Worley, got us like a really good top three horses. But that trip was awful i mean she had to check early that that is definitely true she was in tight the whole way around the second turn never really got her feet going until later in the race uh yeah i, I think regear is is pretty easy on top here and like lamista like good horse not really not really as good as regear I, I think you can kind of see it when you see that race on paper and then when you look at the time form numbers back in europe as well regear just kind of towers over top of her um it'll be interesting to see what type of trip we can get here again there's not a ton of pace in this spot so uh, there's a little more than, than last than that first race in sequence, but not a lot. And so it'll be interesting to see where she comes from because she will be wanting in the back of the pack. So let me tell you a story. Uh, Peter Brandt uh, at the Arcana sale last November, he goes up and he sees this uh, brilliant looking filly that's being sold as a racing prospect. And he goes, you know what? Here's multiple million dollars. I'm going to buy this horse, send her stateside to Chad Brown. We're going to go win a graded stakes race in America first out. Oh, her name's Speak of the Devil. Sorry. Okay, now he spends $3.4 million on Rougier with the same intention in mind, and now we're going to win the Bogey Stakes literally a week later. Like, he spent almost $6 million between these two fillies to bring them over here for Chad Brown to train and keep winning races. Uh, 
my God, this, I mean, he's already talking about Rozier with like big plans for the whole, the whole year. Uh, yeah, I think this is as easy as, as Art said, Rozier next. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not even going to try and go multiple deep here. I will say if you want us to go a little price hunting, I thought that the, uh, the six and the seven were a little interesting here and high option in our flash drive. I'm not going to use either on top. I, if I, I'm probably going to try and play a super one over two, six, seven over 267 or 267 for a nickel cost about 30 bucks and see if we can get something home in that sense. Cause you got to try like in my mind, this is one of those sequences where you got to press, you got to figure out how you're going to create value in some of these races. And, and I, I like those two outside horses, a little bit of a price to try and help add some value. Uh, the six horse high opinion and 10 turf starts two wins, five seconds. I think that's a good horse. If, especially if you want to, if you want to try and beat the Brown straight exacta instead of going one, two, if you want to go like one, six or one, six, two for a trifecta or something like that. And, uh, just get that brown in third instead of second. That'd be pretty great. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. I think Rougier is going to be a standout, hopefully off to bigger and better things, just like Speak of the Devil that we saw last week. Mike, the final leg of the late pick four sequence at Belmont Park. We're flying through this because we just agree too much, but I think we're going to have some disagreements here. Uh, race 11, we're going turf sprinting to end the sequence. It's New York breads, but they're not maiden claimers. They are winners. They are fillies. They are in allowance level. This is fantastic. I didn't know that they could actually card or finish a card with a race like this. It's, 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 it's incredible. Pretty good race, too. I mean, you yes. can go a lot of different directions here. You got Art of Congress, who broke, broke uh, her maiden uh, first out uh, last time at Aqueduct. who's got a little bit of speed. You've got Pratt on the sixth horse. Uh, but to me, the horse you got to go with here is the nine Palace Gossip. I, I thought this horse was a, just an absolute. I think, I think Palace Gossip is going to trip out here, is really the key, right? It looks like Art of Congress is the only horse that's going to be forwardly placed. Won at six furlongs last time, broke it against Maidens first time out. Going to take a step forward, but I don't think it's good enough to be able to hold off Palace Gossip, who's going to be second off the layoff. It's a logical improvement spot here for Palace Gossip, uh, who's a four-year-old. Like, if we run just a touch better than we did last time, Palace Gossip could gallop here. I mean, I, I like the nine quite a bit in this spot. I think it's a it's a pretty good look. I'm going to use the six as a must-use uh, must as well. Um, and go to finest finest work. Look, this is first time Weaver. I think this is a big time Bard change, big time Jockey change. I love both of those improvements. Uh, you're going to get Pratt up. Going to have to make the trip though. This is a horse that's going to be coming from the back, and that was my main issue with this race and why I like the nine so much. Every other contender wants to close, and so you really have one horse who's going to get first jump and be able to get to that lead top of the stretch. The question is, will anyone be able to come get him? I think the six is the most likely one, but I like Pal Scott's on top. So I went one, two, three, four, five. So I went six deep here. The six was my second up. I left off the nine. Uh, oh. I think the nine is going to get way over bet here in a race that I think is wide open. And if you look at her form, I'm like, well, uh, three of those four turf races, she was either first or second. But that maiden special weight from November, uh, all nine of those horses that she faced have run back, most of them multiple times. Do you know how many of those nine rivals are no longer maidens, Mike? I'm going to go with uh, zero. Eight of them. Well, eight of them are still maidens. Only one horse, other than this horse, has won since then, and they've all raced multiple times. It is, and it was the fifth horse, and that uh, the fifth place horse needed four extra starts to get the job done and got a 65 buyer. To me, that is a very bad race where she was the favorite and she was probably the best of a bunch of kind of horses. So I'm going to take a shot against her. If if I am wrong, come back here on Monday. I will have this whole clip like I've done for you before. I will have the receipts ready because um, you can you can bury me into the ground. I'm against the nine here. I just I don't like the pick? back form. Who's your top pick? Top pick number four, Rigby. Eight to one. I was a little surprised about this. We used the four as well, correct? Yeah, I did. You want to go heads up? Nine versus four? <laughs> no. Um, oh, come I on. You, like, you literally just went your old monologue here about how bad the nine was. You won't even go against your top pick there. 
<laughs> listen, I'm still hurting from uh, from Derby weekend. Killing me. <laughs> uh, listen, with Rigby, not only do we get 8-1, which Maker and Irad turf sprinting. Okay, that's great. Uh, horse broke her maiden over this course in her turf debut. Um, I like the fact that Mike Maker, first of all, tried to debut her at Saratoga, so the biggest meet of the year. Um, then we go to Belmont. We go turf sprinting, win that turf debut. Maker liked that so much, she goes straight to the grade two Jessamine, which is two turns, probably way too much for her to try and bite off at that point. Goes to Stuart Manor Stakes, uh, still too much. All right, we're going to take some time off, come back at Gulfstream Park. Maker's like, hey, Chad Brown's right, this turf course sucks. Well, let's put it on the synthetic. Well, that didn't work out too well. Uh, we're going to put her back on turf. Why is this key? This is her best surface, Mike. We're putting her back on the turf, and we're putting Irad freaking Ortiz Jr. in the saddle, who's 32% with Maker at Belmont. They're 24% overall together. Second time starting at age three. I think this a, a logical progression from the Stuart Manor puts her right there with anyone. Yeah, I mean, that's why I used her. Um, I, I, but I... I think she's more pace dependent. We'll see if she's able to stay as close as she did when she broke her maiden there. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the big question in my mind. Look, I, I don't love that she was 17 to one in that spot, almost 18 to one, and then jumps into the Jasmine, gets absolutely blasted. And then you got that, the last race where she runs fifth and gets a 72 buyer. I'm worried that's a little inflated because she ran fifth against some pretty good horses in front of her. So I'm not sure that she is that good. I'd be surprised if Rigby doesn't take quite a bit of money. I think Rigby actually is going to go off at the second as the second choice or maybe the favorite in this spot. I think that's probably the other part Oof. where we disagree a little bit. Look, I, who else is going to get bet here? I really thought the nine would be a shorter price than nine two, but um, and maybe the six who we've talked about liking. But yeah, other than that, it's kind of kind of a I muddled mean, when, up mess. When you got a muddled up mess and you got Maker and Irad and a stakes horse the last two races on turf, you're going to take money. So I think Gage One is an absolute pipe dream from a price perspective. And it's one of the reasons why I wasn't higher on this horse. Um, but I, I look, I do like Rigby. I think that you could see a good effort here. And that's why on the 50 cent ticket, I'm going four deep. That was my fourth horse in. Um, and I kind of went back and forth. But again, I feel like that horse is going to need to come from a little bit further off it. Although I do trust Irad to try and get her tactically involved early. And if he's able to do that, she becomes much more dangerous. Uh, other horse I used here was the three horse master of the tunes. Um, this one to me is just because you have a lot of races that are good enough to win this. And I don't necessarily love the horse, but you can go in the back and you can point to four or five races that are good enough to beat this field, especially if you don't have a lot of them progress. This is your oldest, one of your oldest horses in here as a five-year-old. She's a little more experienced, got a little more race experience. Jose Ortiz picks up the mount. Um, and if you, when you go back and you look at a couple of these races that are a mile, mile and 16th, those are where she ran some of her better races. We're going seven furlongs today. I think six was a little too short for her last time out. I like the setup here for second off the layoff, stretching out that extra furlong, which I think is going to help her. Uh, yeah, um, I love all the, the points that you made. I will add on to that just that if, if you look at who's ridden her, it's actually quite interesting. The, the trainer, Joseph Lee, uh, just had his first starter January 2020, so just a little over two years ago. Um, this was one of his first starters, was Master of the Tunes that July. But then you look who's ridden. Joel Rosario, second career start, rides for this trainer who's just starting on his own. Uh, Hall of Famers, Javier Castellano, John Velasquez, uh, Joe Bravo's ridden this horse, Ricardo Sintet, like big name jockeys have been in this horse it's a one for 11 new york bred who if you just look at the running lines you're like i don't know if she's all that good she doesn't seem to like to win but these jockeys keep getting aboard now jose ortiz throws his name into the hat for big name jockeys who've been aboard yeah i think that she could be sitting on a sneaky effort and i think she could get ignored because of the uh the other horses that are in here yep that's that's kind of what i'm hoping is that like she's just the, she's the least sexy of these horses right i mean you have the the maker and you have irad who's coming out of stakes races you've got 
I mean, the nine isn't that sexy, but has the numbers that kind of fit forwardly placed. You got Pratt picking up a first time Weaver horse, big time connection upgrade there. I, I'm hoping that the three gets a little bit ignored. I think the two is going to actually take a little bit of money because it's clear loan speed. Mm-hmm. I just don't think the two is going to be able to hold on first time against winners. Yeah, I, I did last year, last horse on, and I was waiting for the price to come out to see. Uh, and it sucks <laughs> that this is the last leg, too, because I wish this was the first leg. And if she gets hammered hard, I'm like, well, maybe I need to shorten up because somebody knows something. But um, you do have a couple of factors that I usually don't like. You've got a three-year-old facing older horses in here. You've got a maiden debut winner facing winners and older winners for the first time. Big steps up here. But I watched her debut, and she broke very professionally, very cleanly out of the gate, which she's going to have to do now that she's down in post two. I think she was like post eight in that race. Um, so she's going to she's gonna have to have that professionalism again. But she did show it on debut, which you don't see a lot of times. If she breaks cleanly, acts professionally on the front end, I think she could get it done. But if you're watching listening to this and you're not sure about her because of those angles I mentioned, that's probably why you left her off, Mike, too. It's, it's, she's going to be inside, and with all these older, experienced horses, kind of tough to play her. Yeah, I mean, that that field that she faced wasn't exactly great either. I mean, that was another, you know, that the the favorite in that race who went off at three to one's previous high buyer was a 54 and came back to run a 48 in her second effort. Like that. So when you look at what she beat there, it's just, it's just not much. And and, and like I, I the turf sprinting, ironically, is the one area I will generally say it's OK to play a maiden special way horse stepping up into into winners for the first time, especially in the allowance race. But, uh, I mean, that field behind her was really bad in that maiden special weight. And that, to me, was, like, is the biggest issue. I'm looking through, like, the highest buyer by any horse in that race. It's 62, which Art of Congress ran. The previous high buyer by any horse in their career in that race was 57, which was done twice by the horse that finished eighth in that spot. I mean, so just, just an awful race. I got uh, two more I'll go through real quick. The uh, the seven Dufresne at 10 to 1. We t- there's been some chat in here, I think, from Mark here. He's talking about the 4 and 6. Uh, getting, he's worried that they'll get bet down. They're coming off layoffs with very off performance last out. Uh, the 7 is coming off of a similar long layoff. We haven't seen her since uh, the made the mistakes in the slop last October. But she did run three times on turf as a 2-year-old. And, again, I like that Trombetta, her trainer, debuted her at Saratoga. She didn't do well. He keeps her at Saratoga. He's like, you're a Saratoga-class animal. We're going to keep you there. We'll try the turf. She goes gate to wire. It was good enough to go to Woodbine for a stake. She hits the board. She gets third. Uh, the matron stakes doesn't go quite as well for her. But if you look at who the horses are who beat her there, uh, Bubble Rock ended up going off to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile uh, Philly, Juvenile Phillies turf. Uh, the name is throwing me off. Venti Valentine, who beat her last time out in the Made of the Mistakes, won a Kentucky Oaks prep, was just in the Kentucky Oaks. Forget the fact that she finished last. It wasn't a very good race for her, but she was there. Uh, Darianane beat her three back in the Woodbine Cares. She missed winning the Breeders' Cup Juvenile turf sprint by one length. Um, Mystic Eyes it, it won a race, the, uh, the Stuart Manor that we talked about earlier. So uh, there's a lot of horses that are good that were, she was facing last year as a two-year-old. She's going to need to take a big step forward as a three-year-old. But I'm getting 10 to 1, and I'm getting a jack in Jose Lescano, who I'm going to trust that if she's good enough, he'll put her in the right position. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have – you can point to horses that she's faced that are good. And, and she's coming out of those stakes races and didn't, like, didn't shame herself in those stakes races. I like the seven more – then like, well, not, I like the four more, but the seven to me, you're going to get at least the better price. The seven's not going to get bet, which I think is a big thing. Also, I like the fact that we're taking the blinkers back off, uh, which, which could definitely help it out too. So mm-hmm. I don't hate the use of the seven. Uh, just kind of scrolling through the comments. I mean, this, this to me was one big part about this race where Art brought it up. Three-year-olds against elders is not always good. You got a lot of three-year-olds in this spot. Mm-hmm. It, there's a, you know, uh, Rob brought up the LASIKs side of this where a lot of them are trying LASIKs for the first time as well because their first star is a three-year-old. It's one of the reasons I gravitated toward the three and the nine in this spot, because those two horses are four and five years old. 
specifically the, the nine is second off the layoff as a four-year-old, which I think is a logical improvement angle. You could see some other horses step up. The six is four as well. Uh, so my top three picks are all older horses here versus these three-year-olds, which I think is going to make a difference. Yeah, and I, I didn't love that I, there were a lot of three-year-olds that made my ticket. But uh, to that point, the last one on for me is a, a five-year-old, and that's the 10th Theodore Grace. I saw someone talking about her. Uh, her best buyers came turf sprinting over this inner core uh, versus 40K, non-winners, two lifetime claimers. But she did look good doing it. She did get a nice buyer from it. I like that she's the only two-time winner in the field. And you just talked, Mike, about how you've got a bunch of three-year-olds and inexperienced horses. The experience this horse has, winning twice, beating horses twice, that's pretty valuable. She's the only one in the field that has it. But, again, I was waiting for a good price. I've got 8-1. to one. I've got the bug jockey, who I don't know anything about. But getting a 5-pound weight allowance in a turf sprint, we're throwing it all at the wall, Mike. Let's get it. Let's get the, let's get the win here. So, uh, let me quit. Jose Gomez, actually a very good bug jockey. He's been okay. doing very, very well up on the New York circuit. He's a, he usually gets... Pretty live mounts. Uh, obviously, you can see the percentage-wise he's done well. He burned through his 10- and 7-pound weight allowances. So he's done <laughs> done wonderful up there in New York. I mean, anytime you see a bug with a 15% uh, hit rate over 500, 459 races, I mean, that's darn good for a bug jockey. So uh, absolutely nothing but good things to say about him. We'll see what happens when he loses the weight allowance. Obviously, we've seen a lot of bug jockeys struggle when that goes away. And he's getting close to it now. So we'll see what happens when that goes away. But, you know, he's one of those New York guys. Like, Luis Cardonis was very good with it. Uh, Jockey Jess was very good with it. And they both struggled since we've taken that weight away. We'll see what happens here with, with uh, Jose Gomez. But as long as he's getting that weight allowance, I, I would not hesitate to use him in any spot because he's able to, he's gotten some pretty live, live mounts in New York because people are happy with how aggressive he has been. Um, yeah, I mean, the 10 makes a little bit of sense. It's a step up in class going from that, that $50,000 starter allowance, even though it was non-state bred. Jumping back into the state bred, 89 winners of one's a, a, a decent jump up. We saw him try that, or try that level two back and get beat pretty good. This isn't the, the I feel the world beaters though, so I don't I don't hate using someone like the ten. Uh, someone brought up uh, Sue Ellen as well. Looking forward in the chat here. The brawless wonder, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, Sue Ellen Miskin. I'm not sure how she wins. That for me was the biggest issue with her um, because I, I feel like she would probably have to go to the lead to do it. I'm not sure if she's fast enough. Um, it's first time turf. You're going to get the price to play her. Uh, it, it's just and, and Abreu is one of the better turf sprinting trainers in New York. So if you do like her. And you like a bray, you don't hate the use. I just I find it hard to figure out a path to victory for her. So uh, Mo Heyman, as a sire, is two for forty on turf. That's not great either. <laughs> three for forty. <laughs> three for forty. I'm sorry. Three for forty on turf. That's why I said no, thank you to Sue Ellen Michigan trying uh, turf for the first time. Also, uh, the the dam was unraised. There are no other siblings. If you go back to the Grand Dam. Uh, Southern Colony, she was 0 for 3 in a bad way on turf. So there is nothing in her pedigree that tells me turf. This feels like they're just going, it's an allowance. Let's get her a race. Yeah. It feels like to me. Pretty much. <laughs> um, two horses I want to mention. Uh, so the, the 11 horse I do think is a little interesting. This is the first time against uh, older. It's first time against winners as well for the 11 Autumn Glory. This would have been the next one on my ticket. Uh, it was professional effort for, the, for Christophe Clement first time out, but I don't love the fact I mean, Dylan Davis is riding back, which is solid, but generally the best turf sprinters in the Kamat Barn go to Irad. So the fact that Irad wasn't on this horse kind of tips his hand, I think, a little bit. Although, again, Dylan Davis rode it to a victory last time, so he may have just held them out because of that. But um, I do like the 11 a little bit if there's some scratches. And then 
if there are scratches, I don't know if you looked at the 14 water oh, bill. Oh, God, give me all the 14 if she draws in. I mean, that that might end up just becoming a single and a press ticket if the 14 draws in because Waterville looks like a, just a standout in this field. Um, the, the cutback from mile and 16th to 7 furlong, she hit this horse right between the eyes. It's a kitten joy horse. Uh, Clement, uh, it's, it's named after the actual breeder. <laughs> so they, they thought a lot of this horse when they bred it. Uh, and Rosario thinks it's good enough to pick up the mount. So the, the 14 Waterville, I think, is a standout if she gets in. Has never actually crossed the wire first. She got, play, she got that maiden win by a DQ. Um, no, I, I love the 14 here. 24% uh, Rosario and Clement when they're turf sprinting in New York, specifically the New York circuit. So uh, they are very strong together. Her buyers have improved very nicely with every start. You, you love that she was at Saratoga, um, that she was at Aqueduct for the turf because the New York season was getting going. So, And, yeah, you, you brought up Waterville Lake Stables. Own bread, her name's Waterville. I, I caught that, too. I was like, you got to love it. <laughs> you That's usually, it. usually a pretty good sign. Yeah, I also uh, one thing about her. So she's cutting back, and a couple. Um, the the other one, the Dylan Davis horse you mentioned, is also cutting back from mile sixteenth. I think that's actually going to be key because if either of these horses get in, especially the fourteen, they're going to be wide, right? Uh, seven furlongs. You could, might as well treat this like it's going to be a lot longer. So the fact that she's cutting back from eight and a half to seven, she's going to have that extra endurance. So if or when she gets stuck wide, Mike. I think it's going to help her. Other horses, it would definitely hinder them. But, yeah. It, now, we need, like, what, three horses? We, we, need a, we need a rich strike situation here to get the 14 in. <laughs> You're going to have to have quite a few leave, uh, leave from this race to be able to get, get the 14 in. But we'll Where's see. D I mean, you Wayne? never know. Does Dwayne have any horses he can scratch out of this race for us? No, he's not going to give any gifts out. It'd be interesting, like, if one horse goes out, Clement could scratch out the 11 to get the 14 in. So you do have a little bit of the, the gamesmanship there from a trainer perspective if you would rather have the 14 in this race. So we'll see what happens on race day and kind of how that works out. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. In terms of the Belmont Park Late Pick 4 on Saturday, May 14th, thank you so much for joining. Mike and I go through it. If you're watching us live, give us a like, a thumbs up. We really appreciate it. Look down below. We've got our tickets. Uh, I forgot to keep mentioning which horses I was pressing with. As we were going, I'll do it now. So, Mike, for 50 cents, I'll start off going 3-4 with 4-5-6, singling the 1, then 2-3-4-6-7-10. That's $18. And then for $2, a press ticket for me, 3-4 with 4-5, singling the 1, and then 4-6 to round it out. That's $32. All in all, uh, $50, uh, not too bad. Uh, let me see if I can update this here for you. There you go. Bump it up for you. Go ahead. 50 center. <laughs> All right. 50 center. I'm going to go 3-4 with 1-4-6 with 1 with 3-4-6-9. That'll cost you 24 bucks for 50 cents. Pretty affordable play. I'm going to fire back a $5 ticket as well. Go 3 with 1-4 with 1 with 6-9. 5 bucks. that will cost you $20. I don't think we're getting rich off this sequence, but hopefully we can uh, get the press ticket home and get, you know, about 1000 bucks back somewhere in that range. That's why we got the press ticket. Listen, if you can make about $1,000 pressing it while watching Yabir and Rougier just beat the shit out of the american horses on the turf i mean that's a, you know there's worse ways to spend your saturday um there are great ways to spend your friday by the way the racing dudes tournament challenge is coming up this friday actually that's tomorrow so when you're listening to this hey maybe it's today hopefully you're catching this in the morning but uh the next one is up on may 13th so if you are a member a premium subscriber to the racing dudes friday may 13th we have the horsetourneys.com betting tournament mike tell them about it yeah, we're going to have be back this Friday. It's going to be the fourth edition of it. Uh, it's $10 to enter, uh, and you get a $150 site credit added to the winner. Uh, we're going to use the Friday feature races so that we all get to, to play those. It's also the ones that determines who gets the NHC, so you can pay yourself against that field as well. Um, and it's an absolute blast. you got all the racing dudes in there. Uh, we'll battle it out, and uh, 
a top three will get a cash prize and the winner get an extra 150 bucks. Not bad. Ten dollars. So you'll see this if you're just you're not a subscriber, you'll see this uh, all over our website, this black box. If you are a subscriber, you're going to see this red one too. It says, hey, you're already subscribed. That means you're awesome. Click that one. It'll take you directly uh, to horsetourneys.com to get going for it. Just $10 to enter. Like Mike said, it is a ton of fun. So uh, very exciting for that one. Uh, Mike, the Preakness Stakes is coming up. You want to talk about that now? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the Preakness. Uh, so, uh, news broke this morning, actually, while right after Dudes Who Bet Sports went live at noon central. Um, Rich Strike is going to pass the Preakness Stakes up for the Belmont Stakes. Your thoughts, Mike? Um, as a better, I'm bummed because I was looking forward to fade the crap out of this horse. I thought that this was just dead money in this race. Uh, as a, I don't, I don't believe the reason they gave that they're like, well, we're just, we need the time off. The horse came out of the race fine, galloped over two miles today. The excuse is the horse, we just want to give the horse time off to be there for the Belmont. I think the real answer is this was a business decision. They couldn't get a stud deal done. They were trying to get it done before the Preakness so they could run him in there with the stud deal done so that he didn't get pounded by 15 lengths and all of a sudden the stud value goes down. Oh, by the way, the race came up terrible for him. Like, if you're a deep closer, there's no pace in here. You're going to have early voting on the lead and epicenter in second. You're not going to have the same situation as the Derby. So you're looking at a race where you're probably going to get blown out. You don't have a stud deal. You claim the horse for 30K. You're a huge long shot upset in the Derby. It makes a ton of sense from a business perspective not to get the horse crushed. And I think that's what would have happened had he gone to the Preakness. And I think that's what the connections think would have happened had he gone to the Preakness. And I think that's why this decision was made. I'm like 25-75 that he shows up at the Belmont. I would be surprised if we see him in the, in the Belmont either. I think they're going to look for a better spot than that. Closers generally don't do well in the Belmont either. So we'll, we'll see what happens three weeks after the Preakness if we get him in the Belmont. But I, I think right now there's a, a business decision that is driving where this horse goes more than anything else. It's What's so interesting is that uh, his breeder, Calumet Farm, one of the biggest breeding operations in America, is who lost him for $30,000 in the claim. So they knew what they had. Well, at the time, as a two-year-old. Granted, you can say he definitely he definitely grew as a three-year-old, but they still, like, if anybody was going to know what this horse's value was as a, as a potential sire, it's Calumet. So, uh, yeah, if anybody was going to actually have him stand, it'd probably be Calumet because that's where Keen Ice stands. And Keen Ice, you know, aside from... I don't know. I don't want to badmouth the, you know, the, the Calumet Stallions or anything like that. They just, I don't think Calumet and think, yeah, I'm going to throw all my money at those horses as, as by and large here. So yeah, I don't know. Kind of interesting. Um, does it make you feel any better or worse about Epicenter losing the Kentucky Derby? Well, it's kind of a bummer. I mean, Epicenter is now a, a $1.50 favorite. So three to two essentially overseas to win the Preakness. And, and probably, I mean, I, I would say it's going to get a great trip. I'd say it's early voting or Epicenter right now. Uh, considering who's in there, obviously Secret Oath is in there too, but she's gonna she's gonna have some trouble facing those two. Um, man, it, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. I like it would be fun if Epicenter had won that though, because I think we'd probably have a horse going for the Triple Crown had Epicenter won the Derby going into Belmont, which would have been been pretty awesome. Because I, I have a feeling he's gonna win the Preakness, and that it, we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, it's a bummer that he's not going there, just from the story perspective. And look, I get it. It's the ownership's choice. I'm not banging the ownership at all. It is completely their choice whether or not to go. If it is for rest for the horse, great. Do the right thing by the horse. If it's a business decision, great. Do the right thing by yourself. Like, not knocking the choice in any way, shape, or form. Like, I don't want to get that that point. I want to make sure I get that point across. It just kind of sucks we're not going to have the Derby winner, ironically, there for the third straight year, I think it is now, uh, in, in the previous, uh, the official Derby winner. So it's, it's kind of a bummer kind of how this has played out. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, because Mandaloon won last year, technically, right? Yeah. So it wasn't in the Preakness. And Country House wasn't in the Preakness. So 
Um, it's authentic. The three of the last oh, four. Oh, authentic. Yeah. I'm there sorry. Okay. No, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Country house never even bit shit. Country house almost died. Yeah. So three of the last four, that, but... three of the last four official derby winners now not in the Preakness, which is just kind of like it's a bummer. Now we've had two triple crown winners in seven years, so you can't complain that much. But it's just been very interesting, kind of how this whole thing has played out. And it to me is a better. It took a lot of value out of the race because I was looking forward to singling epicenter or going very short in that race, having Secret Oath get over bet, having Rich Strike get over bet, and being able to create some value in the multi-race tickets. And that's kind of, I have a feeling that's going to disappear here. Jared, I asked this exact question. I was like, can we still call him the Triple Crown winner if Epicenter wins the Preakness in Belmont? We just put a little asterisk next to it. Like, come on. He won it. Come on. I agree, Shotty. <laughs> if Epicenter wins the Preakness in Belmont, I'm going to be super bummed. Because you're right, Mikey. Like he looks, there only were a couple of horses even in, going into the Derby that you were like, if this horse wins the Derby, yes, you could potentially, if the if the stars align, you could win the pre the Triple Crown because you need to be the right combination of endurance and at the top of your game and the right trainer. It's why Todd Pletcher will probably never win a Triple Crown because. He, those horses coming two races or two weeks back in the Preakness always fall flat on their face. It's just the way he trains them. It doesn't work out that well. It was like, it was Messier, it was Taba, it was Epicenter for me. One of those three horses, if they win the Derby, we could see, maybe see a Triple Crown winner this year. Not, yeah. If Epicenter wins the other two, I'm going to be so pissed. Yeah, and like now we're down to 13 horses as possible for the for the Belmont or for the Preakness, and that's overseas. So that's a, an inflated number all the way. Yeah. I'll, I'll be surprised if we get more than eight in the race now, which is. The other kind of bummer part. I like it when you get, you know, the big Kentucky Derby field and then 10 to 12 horse in the Preakness. And then you get yeah, that 8 to 10 in the Belmont. That kind of feels right. I think we might have a bigger Belmont field than Preakness field this year. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But it's always more fun when there's a triple crown on the line, uh, you know. But again, I understand it from the the, 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 the the perspective of Rich Strike. Like, if he's not ready, don't run him. Do the right, right thing for the horse, right? And if you don't want to run him, don't run him. You don't have to. So, uh, more as a better, I'm bummed than anything else, and, and someone who just likes to see a horse try and win the Triple Crown. But there's always next year. Well, sure, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking the uh, if you want uh, lots of salt about this situation, tune into Blinkers Off later tonight. Um, Jared has a very strong opinions about this. He's not happy. If you watch Dude Who Bet Sports, you could hear Aaron's phone blowing up. Uh, as Jared was just ranting and raving about that. So, uh, listen, if you like the Preakness Stakes talk, we are going to be back tomorrow Well, tomorrow morning for me. It'll be at noon central time. <laughs> We're going to start doing the daily show leading up to the Preakness Stakes, just like we did for the Derby uh, the week and a half leading up to it. And that was a lot of fun. We, we got to grow the community, get to know a lot of you a lot better. So we're going to do that for the Preakness Stakes. Um, probably won't have as much to talk about, Mike, especially now that you know Rich Strike is – not that we thought he was going to win, but there is at least that storyline for us to talk about. Now it's just going to be Secret Oath for, two, for the next week. Like, yay but i mean like that's one story <laughs> yeah we'll see how it plays out. i mean secret health and epicenter i think it'll be the two stories uh creative minister is still playing on going there so it'll be interesting to see him step up and face uh grade six company for the first time it's a heck of a Joe, step up from Joe, Joe. an allowance all the way up to a grade one uh especially the preakness uh but at least i i, I mean it's going to be fun to see how these kind of trainers place their horses it's still be a great day of racing that's the nice part they do put a lot of good stakes around the preakness so i'm excited for both the the races friday and saturday but it uh it's losing a little bit of its luster without having rich strike in there boy not a sentence we thought we'd ever say boy no, that race no is kidding, losing right? its luster without <laughs> the third place finisher from the jeff ruby stakes in it mike that's uh 
Real bummer. Hey, we know it wasn't a bummer with spending the last hour with each and every one of you. Thank you so much for joining us. Before you leave, if you haven't yet, hit like on the video or give us a thumbs up on Facebook. It does a wonder of good for us in terms of the algorithm. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We've got tons of Preakness Stakes videos coming out next week. Uh, earlier today, Saratoga Slim's five major lessons that he learned, that premiered, so you can go check out that madness. And like I mentioned, Dudes Who Bet Sports was this morning. Blinkers Off will be later tonight. And then we have the tournament challenge tomorrow, Mike. I've submitted my picks. I did my handicapping. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to finish. Hey, if I finish third again, I'm okay with that. Look at you, man. I, I haven't even looked at started to look at the races yet. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, I also have a busy morning tomorrow, and I knew I wasn't going to have time to do it. So I was like, I'll, I'll have to go back and check. Uh, looks like the weather's going to be pretty good for, for Belmont Gulfstream and San Anita where we're at, which, by the way, no more Tampa. No more Tampa in these. I don't have to just sit here and go throw a dart and go, that's the horse I'm going to pick at Tampa. Tampa's, Tampa's kind of fun, man. I like Tampa. You, you must get have some bombs the Tampa. nicely then. That's the only no, time that you say that. Tampa, Tampa and Woodbine are like two of the better tournament tracks because you get big turf fields. Woodbine's wild, man. Is Woodbine in there tomorrow? No. Uh, Woodbine's wild. That like that Those blow tournaments up. You get 14 horse fields and half the fields 10 to 1. I mean, it's... Those races absolutely blow the fields up. But the Woodbine's a good tournament track. I actually don't mind Tampa as a tournament track. Uh, first post, I think, is around 3.30, something like that. So I would guess it's right around there. Do you have it open? I'm going to pull it up right now, yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah it's it, – 3.03 Eastern is first post, so by noon, uh, noon Pacific. It's a blast. I mean, they're, they're fun to play. It's Like you said, it's $10. bucks. we will have uh, the live show that's running during it, so we'll talk about tournament strategy during it. So if you're new to tournaments, it's a good thing to check out because we'll talk about, okay, why we use certain horses, You know, what, where favorites a good use, where favorites a bad use, when you want to spread out. Um, so it's, it's, it's a good way to also kind of learn a little bit more about tournaments if you're newer to it. If you don't play it this week, we're going to have another one in two weeks, which gives you a chance to kind of play it then uh, after listening to a little bit of tournament talk. It's going to be a lot of fun. Tune in to the Racing Dudes YouTube channel tomorrow. We'll also have the Preakness Stakes live show tomorrow at noon central, so make sure you don't miss it. Follow us on Twitter. I am at Curtis Kellowart. He is at SummerBomb18, number one, number eight. Corporate Overlords at Racing underscore Dudes. Mr. Salmich, it's been a pleasure. Let's have some fun at Belmont Park. I'm excited. Are you? Let's do it, baby. We'll see you uh, tomorrow morning for the Preakness show. Until then, good luck, everybody. Well, shit, Mike, I am so sorry. We're 374 episodes in. Until next time, I'm Magic. And I'm just being ignored. Bye, everybody. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, never make another winter without visiting the Racing Dudes first. 